Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Laura Reese. She's a branding, marketing guru, and best-selling author. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. What you you've you've had an amazing career, kind of across a bunch of different and uh, things, and you've done some really cool stuff. And you know, you're a author and and kind of TV personality as well. But maybe before we kind of get into what you're currently doing, let's start off and get to know you a little bit better and, and start off with kind of where you grew up. Yeah, sure. I Well, I grew up uh, in just outside of New York City, Long okay. Island. If, Long Island, if you're from the area, you know the accent. Um, and I am the only child from my dad's second marriage. So I spent a lot of time with my parents, uh, as only children know, and my dad at the time ran an uh, advertising agency in New York City, and I just thought he was terrific, and he is, uh, and he still is, and I remember going to the office and, you know, watching everything that was going on, and, you know, my dad is, he's all about marketing, and he's all about positioning, and, you know, the book that he wrote that kind of changed everything, and so from a, a young age, I was interested in the business, and so I... Um, you know, followed followed that that passion and, and and everything. I went to college at Northwestern out in Chicago, and then after college, I spent a little over a year working at another ad agency, TBWA, in, in New York. And I was on the the Avion account and the Woolite account. And then, you know, just dream come true to have the opportunity to work with Al. He, um, you know. That split apart from his previous partner Jack Trout, and we opened Reese and Reese in 1994. So it's been it's been a, a great ride. We're still having a great time, and you know, there's there's nothing better. I mean, having a, a family business and you know, learning from my father, being his partner, you know, even on more equal terms now is is really been an exciting place to be. No, that that's great. So. For people that haven't kind of heard of heard of you guys, yeah. what exactly do you guys kind of do? Because you guys have a bunch of different things that you do, and I, I think there's no better time almost in history to really kind of care about kind of marketing and PR and, and kind of branding because there's so much noise right now, right? And we're inundated by so many things on a daily basis. But so Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, so well, kind of, sure, yeah. what do you guys yeah, kind of, go ahead. what do you guys exactly do at Reese and Reese? Well, um, you know, we help position um our clients' brands. We help with the marketing strategy to ultimately the idea is, is owning a position in the mind, which was, you know, back it, it's funny because if um you know the the first book my dad wrote was called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind sure. and back then he wrote about how difficult it was to get into the mind and they were complaining about the amount of advertising and you know look now you know over 30 years later it's, it's even worse right yep. <laughs> um and uh, of course it's, it's getting more challenging so you know that is you know part of the reason why brands are so important and 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 I think there like you said there's been a realization of you know it is important important to have innovation, but it's also important and, and great service and a great product. 
Uh, but it's also important to have a great brand um, along with that, and that goes to the name, to the position, to the you know the importance of the category, to the visual, to the slogan or battle cry. All of those elements are incredibly important. So, you know, we don't help a company develop their product or service, but we help in how you know they develop the communication and marketing strategy to 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 get that to own that piece of real estate in the the consumer or prospect's mind. No, that that makes a lot of sense. So how do you guys kind of engage with a company to actually, you know, kind of market and position their brand? Because that, to me, is probably the most complicated part of launching a product. Sure, it, it, it is. And, uh, you know, big companies as well as entrepreneurs, and, you know, we work with, you know, both both types and everything in between, uh, from business to business to business to consumer. Um, so we, you know, specialize in no one industry, but what we specialize in, what we have the ability to do is kind of, you know, simplify things, uh, be able to look at a complex situation and, and find the simple solution. And, and that, you know, is, is very difficult and, and very challenging. Um, of course, and and really, you know what our business comes down to, and what drives it is, you know, the books. Okay. Um, you know, for for years, you know, Al has you know written twelve books um, that you know have become very well read, very well respected, um, and and talked about different principles and given examples and um, you know immutable laws and and different things um, out there. Uh, that have really resonated and help people to understand marketing and, and give them better tools and strategies and techniques um, for for doing better marketing and for their their product or service. When it comes to the importance of having a focus, uh, the importance of you know PR over advertising and launching brands, and you know on and on all these different all these different things. Now, when it comes to consulting, you know, for one of our books is the 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. Well. You can't apply all the laws at once. Sure. Uh, it's the difficulty is is knowing you know which laws apply to each given situation, and that's where we come in. I mean, if someone is a fan of the books, uh, that's usually what brings them to us. They say we we would really would love to have their personal input on our situation, uh, and you know our business is one day strategy sessions where you know we work with them and we have a team meeting. We all work together. Um, it's it's important the give and take I think because you know companies they have so much information but sometimes they need an outsider to come in and, and you know help give some perspective and, and when it comes to marketing you know that's our expertise to say you know how do we best you know verbalize visualize this what is the best way to to focus or what should we focus on um, you know all too often companies want to get into more stuff when the opportunity is really to narrow the focus to do what Tesla did right to focus on electric cars only and you know become you know one of the highest valued auto companies in the world it's amazing sure no I, I think that's that's really great so maybe let's start with kind of the visual hammer side of things then we'll move to maybe the battle cry kind of book and in a few minutes here so what do you guys or what do you kind of cover in in the book and and give us some kind of principles and stuff that people can kind of take away i i also do encourage them to actually pick up the book because they're they're both very inexpensive 
um, you know, like they're basically sure. the co- cost of a cup of coffee for, for <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, well, these days with Starbucks, absolutely. <laughs> coffee is no longer cheap. Everyone wants the expensive stuff. Well, you know, it, it started with, um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, positioning. And, okay. and the, the, the thing about positioning is owning a word in the mind. And, and, and the book and a lot of the philosophy talked about words, you know, you know, owning words in mind, talked a lot about slogans and such, but, 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 you know, as we talked and mentioned, you know, it's so, it's so complicated out there, and there's so many words and tweets and texts and everything else, the, the, the key understanding a, a few years back was, you know, what, it, we've forgotten visuals, <laughs> sure. we've forgotten about the pictures and the, the importance that they play, and really, it's, it's the emotional part that, can communicate that, where you take the same idea, like, for instance, um, baby, right? You take the word baby. If you're trying to communicate, and, and, and you could use the word baby, or the same idea you could communicate through the picture of a baby. Now, you know, in the end, you say, well, you're communicating the same thing. There, is there any difference? You bet there is, because I see a picture of a baby, and, you know, my heart melts, and I get goosebumps, and, you know, you have, or maybe you don't like a baby, but you have some emotional reaction where the word is just a cold word on a page. And so knowing that, that the key in in many brands is, yes, the, the ultimate objective in branding is to own an idea in, in the mind of the consumer. But the best way to drive that idea in the mind is a visual hammer. That's why we call it a hammer. You're driving, you know, the idea into the mind. And, and whether, you know, in the book we talk about, well, what kind of visual hammers are there? Well, one of the most classic is the contour, original contour Coca-Cola bottle mm-hmm. that you now see on a lot of their marketing. And that is a, a, a powerful visual hammer because it communicates not just, you know, this is the Coca-Cola brand. It communicates that they are the real thing. It communicates their authenticity and their credibility. And, you know, that is more important than ever now, uh, but it always has been. And and so if you have a a visual that's not just attractive or, you know, colorful or pretty or something, it's, it's about something that drives the idea that you stand for into the mind, whether it's the contour bottle for Coca-Cola, it's the uh, lime in the top of the Corona beer bottle, right, Uh, uh, the Mexican beer. It's the straw and the orange for Tropicana. Uh, It's, you know, the Kentucky, the kernel at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, And the opportunity now is as well that as we go global, the importance of a visual is, is even more even more important because it doesn't need a translation uh you can use that visual around the world and and bring people together with that one unifying uh visual that that stands for your brand no i i totally agree so how do people though even start coming up with or brainstorming ideas because to your point a second ago like when you said the corona thing like i i get that you can obviously put a lime in basically anything you want but when you think about (laughs) that at least like my mind and i would say a lot of people's mind is corona like they go there instantly right you could put it in tons of other beer tons of everything else but like people just think of that right and so Mm -hmm. how do you even start that because it it seems a bit well it it not really a bit it's it's a very kind of daunting task to say like i need to create something as iconic as you know, the Corona Lime or, or the Coke yes, bottle? Yes, well, or... yeah, you, you don't go into it thinking, I want to start something iconic. And, and and I didn't work on Corona, but we can kind of walk through what happened with them and, and how they came to that and, and why it was so effective. 
um, you know, Corona was in Mexico a, a cheap working class beer. It had a painted label, which was seen as, you know, not as prestigious uh, as Dos Equis and other brands. Um, you know, it wasn't served at the fancy hotels. It was, it was a nothing. <laughs> sure. Um, and the import, the, the uh, distributor and importer um, got an idea to let's, you know, let's take this brand into America. And, and we're going to sort of rebrand it, if you will, um, as, you know, a, a, a popular Mexican beer and we're, that has a unique-looking bottle that it was painted. Um, and we're going to take it in and we're going to focus on Mexican restaurants, um, which as well were rising at the time. So it's not always so important. The key, one key distinction is consumers don't really care about brands. It's the category that they care about, and the brand then represents that category. So what Corona had going for it was the rise of, of the Mexican food and brand category, that they were able to establish themselves as the first um, you know, authentic Mexican beer, even though it necessarily wasn't, but sure. uh, they came in with a, with a good distributor and then and, and into the restaurants. But the, the visual difference in the identity was to put the lime in it. Now, you know, what is a lime? Well, lime is very much associated with Mexico. Uh, Mexico is a lime country. If you've ever been there, they yep. have limes in everything. <laughs> they yep. put no, limes in yep. because they, they grow a lot. They use a lot. They don't have any lemons. Uh, you know, the, America, the United States of America, is a, is a lemon country. We drink lemonade. We put sure. lemon in everything. We put lemon in water. So for an American to see that, they say, oh, you know, lime means Mexico. And so that subtle, in, and, you know, they do sometimes put it in, in beer. And, and so that was a unique difference and, and visual that, you know, got people's attention and then, you know, became basically, you know, the visual hammer for that brand. And, and now is also, you know, the communication vehicle, that's what they use in their on their trucks and in their billboards and, and everything, um, because it, it, it stands for that they dominate that category of Mexican beer. And they are now, you know, 17 years in a row, the number one imported beer brand in America. They surpassed Heineken many years ago. Um, and that dominance um, is, is also what sustains them over the long run and, and makes that visual iconic. No, that that's actually really interesting because I – I guess like I, I I'm I've worked at marketing companies, but I've kind of always been behind the computer on the on the tech side, kind of the design side, and so like you know I sat in kind of meetings around this stuff. But it, it's yeah. interesting that it's basically obviously they're using something like visual to represent that, but almost the strategy behind that really has nothing to do with kind of the visual to your point where they're using like a like a lime from the country and and trying to ride the the trend of you know mexican food kind of growing in in popularity into america and stuff like that so that's actually really fascinating to me and and how do how do you kind of go about doing the research to kind of come up with the visuals to bring a brand or potentially bring a brand into kind of the, the stratosphere of being the highlight of the category, or at least yeah. you know, into the category, right? Yeah. Well, that, and that—that's—that's that's the challenge because you don't—you never start with what visual can we use. Um, you start with what are we trying? What are we trying to do? 
um, you have to look in the mind and say, where are the open holes? <laughs> sure. Um, you know, when, you know, for, for Corona, I mean, you know, the, the European beer, <laughs> well, you know, that hole was already filled. You know, that was Heineken, which sure. many people think it <laughs> was German, but it was Dutch. But, I mean, that was already filled. To, to be a better beer from Europe, which Bax and many other, comp- uh, you know, brands try to do, that, I mean, it's much more challenging than trying to be first in a new category. And that, you know, is one of the basic principles we've, we've talked about for years. Um, you know, you can't, many companies try to, we'll just try to be better than the leader. <laughs> we're going to be better and you're, we're going to win by being better. No, no, no. You, you never, you never win by being better, but you can win by, you know, trying to define a new category. And, and the good thing is, and we wrote a book about this too, is the origin of brands is that over time, you know, every category, you know, divides, leaving opportunities for new brands um, to, to come to market. I mean, it used to be there were just cars, right? Sure. Well, then you had sports cars and sedans, and then you had trucks, and you had pickup trucks, and you had SUVs, and now you have electric cars. And in all those, you know, new categories, if you will, uh, new brands came to, to market and to dominate in those, in, in many cases, you know, those different categories. Today, of course, we have Tesla and the electric car. Well, every major manufacturer has an electric car in their, their lineup, but none are as successful as Tesla because Tesla owns the idea. Sure. Uh, all the others are, are line extensions on, on the you know, traditional car brands, um, where the real opportunity is, is having a brand that represents that category and, and then you know, can claim leadership in. So when we work with someone, you know, it, it's first and foremost is understanding um, you know, their brand. Um, does it stand for anything? Um, one of the other key principles is if you own something, if you stand for something, it's going to be impossible to change it. Listen, Kodak was one of the world's, you know, most sure. loved brands, yep. right? But they stood, they owned, you know, film photography. You can't change that. They tried to change and say, oh, we can do digital too. That's not going to work. Not if they put the Kodak name on it. You see, the difference is they could have gone into digital and been successful, we believe, but they would have needed a second brand name, not the Kodak name. And, you know, way too often companies are too in love with their brand names and they don't see the opportunity that a new category needs a new name. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an, you know, an incredibly important difference. And, you know, all too often big companies, you know, in particular, are so in love with their brands that they don't see the opportunity, and why entrepreneurs, you know, who you know are, are feisty enough and, and willing to go out and, and launch, you know, new brands and new categories, and have the patience for those categories to take off. Um, listen, you know, most most categories they don't take off like rocket ships; sure. <laughs> they take off like airplanes. It's a long, bumpy ride down the runway. <laughs> you know, it was you know it was ten years before you know Red Bull hit a hundred million dollars. Sure. Um, and, and today it's you know it's almost a ten billion dollar brand um, because it was it was a new idea, and it takes time to get new ideas into the mind. I mean, listen, Red Bull is expensive; it tastes terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, the guy, the, uh, it, was, it was a product from Thailand, but the entrepreneur from Austria that, you know, launched it on a global scale, you know, he did research before he, you know, spent all this money and launched this brand, and it came back terrible. The, the people that, you know, they'd never seen this product, and they were asked, do you like it? Would you buy it? And they said, no way. I don't like the, the taste. I don't like the price. I don't like the small can. I don't like this, and I don't like that. And uh, he did it anyway. Uh, it's very hard to research what people would do in the future. 
Um, sure. And so, you know, it took time to, to, to build that brand for people to understand the category. And then, you know, they, they understood the significance. And, um, and, and the funny thing is, and, and the importance of, of PR and word of mouth, one of the things that helped Red Bull was, it was sold in Germany and in Austria, and uh, it got banned in Germany. Sure. <laughs> the government said, you know, kids, you can't have the stuff. Well, if you have kids, and you know, the last thing you do is tell a kid you can't have that, and that's all they want. Yeah. And they were driving to Austria to get the the, the stuff, and um, you know, one of the things that got people really excited that, that this stuff was was really great. No, that's that's actually really interesting. I actually, now that you mentioned it, I remember when it got banned and like how big of yeah. a deal it was. And I remember it was you, a big deal. Yeah, and it was the same. Yeah, with, like, it's funny because no, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Well, sometimes people get so concerned about you know you might say that that's bad you know publicity, but in in, in the case of Red Bull, it was it was terrific. <laughs> yeah, no, and I remember that with like a at least. In in Canada, there was a, a cola that was like had a lots of caffeine in it, and it oh, got yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. was it like Jolt or something. Maybe? Yes, that's right. There was double the caffeine. Yeah. Jolt, cat, yeah. And like it got so much publicity, and I remember as a kid, like the one friend that got a case or something, we all were just like, and you know, like looking back now, it was kind of a little bit ridiculous because like whatever right but as a kid i remember yeah. like just having to have that right because you're like i gotta try <laughs> this right so it, in some ways it was probably maybe the best marketing campaign that they never planned on doing <laughs> well indeed but it, it actually brings up a really interesting point because what you know what really is the energy drink market but just soda that has extra caffeine and vitamins and other stuff but instead of launching, in, in, you know, and Red Bull could have said we're just extra caffeinated, you know, soda. Yeah. Um, you know, they called it an energy drink. And, and the, the idea of, of creating that separate category, when, is it really a separate category? Sure. I mean, what, what is a, if the other example is, you know, what is a power bar? You know, energy yeah. bars? I mean, aren't they really very similar to candy bars, but you call it a, an energy yep. bar and, and people have a different halo around it uh, because they, 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 they perceive, a, 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 and it's really a slight difference, you know, maybe a little bit less sugar, yeah. you know, um, but it, it, it is amazing how, you know, these slight differences and, and categories are really important one if you can have your brand, you know, perceived as, you know, it is just another candy bar but we call it a power bar and we say it's an energy bar and it's seen as a as a separate category and as a then a wild success no i that's that's actually quite fascinating so i, I want to kind of get into kind of your book battle cry and kind of what's it about because i think it's very much tied to kind of the visual stuff we've just been kind of talking about so what exactly is that book about and, and why did you decide to write that well um you know after you know, just kind of thinking of, of all the elements, you know, we, we, we work on with, with companies and, and also noticing the, the what works and what doesn't work in the marketplace. We spent a lot of time, you know, reading, um, you know, articles and staying up on, on many brands and categories. Um, you know, slogans are, are something that are talked a lot about in, in advertising and companies use them um, on everything from, you know, their websites and, and really what makes a good slogan. And, you know, in particular, we saw that, you know, with the, the slogans were getting worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. In some cases, they were trying to get really short and really cute, and none of them were working, yet they were spending, 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, wh- you know, what's Ford's latest one? You know, I think it's go further or find new roads or, you know, these, these in particular, the auto companies spend enormous amounts of money and, and they have these just ridiculous slogans that nobody remembers and that they don't drive any ideas in the mind. So, um, and again, really like, there's an importance of, of the visual. There's also a need for words. In particular, you know, we're very much in the in belief in the power of word of mouth, um, the importance of, of PR, and that they can drive word of mouth. And, and part of that is giving consumers um, and customers and prospects the words to use, and, and words that are down to earth that they're willing to share. Uh, you know, no one you know no one says I, I want a car to I bought that car to find new roads. But they might say, I bought that car because it's the ultimate driving machine. Sure. Uh, right? Yep. I mean, for BMW, the ultimate driving machine is, is a classic battle cry. Um, it's something that, that people can easily say, <laughs> and they, yep. they, they willingly do. Uh, it works on the dealer's show floor. It, it works inside internally of the company, what they should be looking for in building their cars. Um, and it's also interesting, if you look and think about, you know, many times people are, are very, you know, literal of, of the slogan has to be correct, but is it really the ultimate driving machine? I mean, maybe wouldn't a Ferrari be better? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, you know, you, you have a, but you you have to, you can have a little bit of, of creative license, if you will. Um, you know, if if it given the right situation, I think in the case of BMW, you certainly do. So, um, so the book battle cry is about you know, first of all, you know, you have to know what your brand is. For BMW, is focused on a performance type of car versus you know, their their enemy, if you will, or Mercedes-Benz, which was luxurious and a comfortable ride. Well, they were the opposite. And that's always, you know, there's an opportunity for generally two brands in every category, but the strong number two position is always um, taken by someone who's the opposite of the leader. So that's in the case of BMW. So, again, you have that focus. You have perhaps that visual for BMW. It was commercials with, you know, driving on winding roads. But then you have to have the words to communicate it, the ultimate driving machine. Um, and, again, in the book we also talk about there's also just linguistic techniques that help things become more memorable. Um, one of the challenges, like we said, the over-communicated society is that, you know, how do you get people to remember them? Well, again, a lot of things come from, take from your life. If you have a kid, how do you get them to remember things? Well, many times you use things like rhyme, right? right. Rhyme is a, is a classic way to get people to, <laughs> or yeah. anyone to remember something. Um, and if you use it in a slogan, it makes it incredibly more memorable. We have um, our postal service has a, a slogan that says, if it fits, it ships <laughs> for the priority mailing and you have the box. And, you know, that can drive through clutter and help people to, to remember, understand it. And also it's a rationale for using it. Uh, it's a motivating idea. So, you know, again, it's not about using any rhyme. Uh, it has to be meaningful to what your brand is. So there's... Te- I said there was five techniques. There's rhyme. There's alliteration. You know, classic and, and lots of brands and their names use it as well, from you know Dunkin' Donuts to Coca-Cola, or alliteration for the the slogan itself um, can be helpful. Repetition is another that you just simply repeating something. Um, you know, can can be used like Little Caesars Pizza says, "Pizza, pizza, pizza, yep. pizza." Interesting. Yeah. Now. They, why do they repeat it? Well, their um, you know their promotion for many years was two prices, two pizzas for the price of one, because right. 
they created a new category, which was pickup only, right? Yeah. There was there was no delivery. You picked it up, and that's cheaper, so they had a cheaper price, and two-for-one was an easy way to communicate it. Uh, today, they you know, they say $5 pizzas, which is basically the same thing. You know, it's Pizza Hut, it's 10 bucks. Here, you pick it up, and it's 5 bucks pizza pizza um, or reversals can sometimes be uh, an interesting way to communicate an idea uh, for many years uh, Burger King said broiling not frying uh, again it's the contrast between McDonald's fries their hamburgers and we're different it's the you know the the flame broil taste of, of Burger King it was also a grown-up idea um, they never quite you know, they had the silly, you know, king and the subservient yeah. chicken that, you know, <laughs> got people's attention, but did it drive an idea in the mind, uh, something you know, that they were have not been successful to do, even though, you know, in our opinion, they had some worthwhile ideas there, and particularly the, you know, grow up to the taste of flame-broiled burgers. Um, and now you have, you know, the, the better burger chains that are, you know, people said the hamburgers were dead. No, maybe they just weren't marketing it right. So, sure. you know, they, there's an opportunity there always, uh, many times for, for new brands. And the last is uh, double entendre that you can use. And, and one good example of that is uh, De Beers Diamonds. And they say a diamond is forever. Of course, it's, you know, the diamond engagement ring is what they're trying to sell, that if, you know, the diamond's forever, your love's forever, you know, we'll just forget the 50% of marriage is ended <laughs> divorce, but, you know, you just get married again and you buy another diamond, so everything's good for them. But, you know, that, that's a slogan that women love, believe me. Sure. So I'm curious, though, because, like, obviously what you've kind of talked about, I think most people have heard that stuff, but is, is some of that stuff a little bit trial and error is that kind of a lot of market research, a bit of both? Is it kind of, how do you come up with these things? Because you guys work with brands that everybody's heard of, you know, they can go to your, yeah. your website and, and check that out. Like, I, I don't really necessarily want to get into actual clients, but how do you guys kind of work with a brand, whether they're small or big, to actually come up with something that could be very memorable like that? Well, again, I think that the the importance is not just to make it memorable, but to to have it specifically drive, um, you know, the the word into the mind, um, uh, whether you know in the category and the position. Um, so, the key really in, is is that I think many um, you know many consultants or companies or agencies, you know, they. They're very focused on making something, you know, attractive and, and memorable and, and unique. But first and foremost, you have to start out with, you know, what are, what is the opportunity? Sure. <laughs> um, can we, can we, can we legitimately go after that opportunity? Um, you know, do we, uh, you know, or do do we need to sort of reshuffle things of of, of how we directly communicate it? Not just so much that it it sounds right from our perspective. I think a lot of companies are concerned about this is what, this is what we think our brand or our service is, but how is the consumer going to see it? How does it fit into what they understand about, you know, the category or the market? And, and sometimes that's a, a case of, you know, the, the first car was not called a car, it was called a horseless carriage. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. that was that was an easier way to have people understand it. Uh, the challenge of a new category is, is that, you know, people have never heard of it. 
and you know it, it's difficult to explain. And, and if you can do so with words that are you know easier to understand, uh, you know make more sense. You know, energy drink, for example, is, is is a good category name. And as a result, then Red Bull is a good brand name because you know what represents energy more than a red flag in front of a, a angry bull. Yep. Um, you know, picking picking names are, are really a big part of of the process, and I think you know the most the most important part is identifying you know the position or whole open opportunity in the mind, um, and then devising the strategy to take to to get in there. Right. So it, the the name is is critical, um, and you know, picking the name Red Bull, um, the name Monster, which is the number two energy drink. Again, they did. They achieved that their success by being the opposite of Red Bull. Red Bull was an 8.2 ounce can. Monster came in with a 16 ounce can. Right. Um, you know, clear example of you know th- and thousands, over a thousand in one year, over a thousand companies launched energy drinks. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. Everyone saw the opportunity, right? From Coca-Cola on down, launched energy drinks. Coca-Cola sure. launched, you know, T- TMX was the first one. Yeah. Um, and the biggest company in the world, most successful, you know, beverage company couldn't make a success of it because they didn't have the right strategy. Sure. So it was the wrong name. It was a copy of, of Red Bull. They were trying to just be better. You can't be better than the real thing. <laughs> and that's what Red Bull was when it came to energy drinks. Um, Monster succeeded by saying, all right, you got the small can. Maybe there's an opportunity for a large can. People that want more value, that want more drink, or who knows? And they launched the large can, and they gave it a large can name called Monster. Sure. Uh, and then they took the idea of Monster, and they, they created a, a visual that drove in that name and that idea. Um, and so, you know, it, it worked together. But the key insight, you know, was being the opposite of Red Bull, the 16-ounce sure. can. Um, or at the other spectrum, there's the little shot, energy shot, and, you know, five-hour energy. Yep. which has also been as successful. And again, it's it's that new category idea and then picking a name that, that helps you um, in driving the idea and then having and, and finding some unique visual that can help drive those ideas and perhaps even a battle cry, a slogan that can help people remember it as well as give people the words um, to, to talk to each other. I mean, Red Bull says it'll give you wings, right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, and so all those things, you know, can can work together. But but first and foremost, it's it's, it's finding that opportunity, um, that open hole in the mind, uh, that new category, or you know, going against the leader in an existing category. Um, I will say, and, and you asked, um, you know, do we do it? We we don't do a lot of research. Um, we in generally clients, you know, have, have bring us and show us any research they might have done. Okay. Uh, but, but most of it is analyzing, you know, the situation, listening to the client, you know, looking over the background. And, and clients, you know, they know a lot of these things. I mean, everyone knew what, you know, Red Bull was. And, sure. you know, it was a, the, the challenge of, of, you know, saying and, and thinking of, well, okay, we know what that is. How can we be different? The, the general, you know, and it's common sense, right, you know, well, let's just do what they're doing and do it better. I mean, that's, the, that's what gets you in trouble. Um, but if you have the, the mindset, okay, this is the marketing principle. If we want to beat the leader, we've got to be the opposite. 
or if we can't beat the leader, we got to be we got to start a new category, the energy shot category, for example. Sure. So I'm curious to know your take, and obviously, I think it's probably you need to have like a well-known or a brand that has a lot of backing to to like where you have like a product placement either in a movie or television show or or kind of a celebrity endorsement like do you guys kind of do that kind of stuff do you do you think that stuff kind of still works or, or kind of what's your take on those well i i think they work when they're authentic and when they okay. have some some type of of credibility with consumers when you you know force the issue and you pay a movie a lot of money to use a product that they would never want to use anyway mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> and they you know they put it into the into the production i think consumers see right through it i mean just the way you know the problem with advertising is you talking you know telling people that you're great <laughs> well sure. that's not believable uh, what's believable is somebody else telling me that you're great that third party endorsement um, and so, you know, for, you know, the way around it is, well, let's pretend it was, um, you know, they, they, cho- I mean, E.T. used Reese's Pieces candy and it was, you know, got a lot of talk about it, but that was authentic, um, that they, they saw that, you know, connection within the movie as opposed to it just being a play, a paid product endorsement. And now consumers are more skeptical than ever about a lot of those things. Um, when it comes to celebrities, um, you know, we are a celebrity-obsessed <laughs> society. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the problems is every, every celebrity is hawking everything. Sure. Um, so, but it, it still can work incredibly well um, if, again, there is a, a believability. Um, you know, you've got the, you know, the popularity of the celebrity and whether or not they, they make a mistake. I mean, Tiger Woods being a prime example of, sure. of one of the most highly paid celebrity endorsers ever. Yep. And then he got into trouble and every, many, most of his uh, companies dropped him like a hot potato. But, um, but even in the case of Tiger, who, you know, in his prime was perfect, right? Sure. Um, a good-looking, you know, going to be on track to be, you know, the greatest golfer of all time, and, you know, he could always get himself out of trouble and not on the golf course um, sure. <laughs> and he's winning tournaments, right? So, um, you know, terrific. But did he work for every brand he endorsed? Absolutely not. Sure. Um, one example was, you know, the Buick paid him to be. <laughs> but did anyone believe that Tiger would drive a Buick? Are you kidding me? He's, sure. he's making $100, $100 million a year. He's not driving a Buick. I mean, let's be serious. So, um, sure. you know, in that case, you know, yeah. it made absolutely no sense. Um, you know, for, for you know, Michael Jordan and Air Jordan, I mean, one of the most classic celebrity sure. endorsements of all times. Um, and, you know, of course, it was, you know, incredibly iconic. He, he wore the shoes. It just, it, well, yeah, that for him logo to, even, right? Of course, that logo is a classic visual hammer. I mean, and, and kids today know Michael Jordan because of that. Kids today know, you know, John Madden yep. um, because of his endorsement and, and celebrity connection. And, again, those are very tight because those celebrities are part of the product and especially the launch of the product. Um, and, you know, as, as, as opposed to just appearing in one TV ad, which doesn't tend to work very well, uh, you know, and now companies see that, you know, Vita Coca, you know, Madonna's some, you know, to, to endorse that she's got a, you know, owns now a part of the company kind of thing. Sure. Um, and so, you know, but again, that, that becomes overdone and it has to be really believable that Madonna's drinking this all day and bathing in it. Um, and does <laughs> anyone care about Madonna anymore? I don't know. That's another problem. Sure. So 
we we kind of I want to go to the other side of the spectrum um, where maybe they're a new company or a new brand or something. What are things that they can do maybe on the cheaper side of, of things? Because obviously not everybody can afford to to do some of the stuff that we just talked about. But what are things yeah. could people can do maybe on the on the cheaper side of things? Well, yeah, you you make an excellent point, and and you know when when most brands, um, you know, startups and entrepreneurs, they don't have a big budget, and they don't have a lot of money, uh, and and so they're in in some ways it's good because they're forced to think about the things that don't cost a lot of money, sure, um, and are really important. Like I said, the most important thing is what's the name. Um, you know, choosing the right name doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, and, you know, so, so the name is incredibly important. Um, you know, again, thinking about the visual, I mean, you know, just the, the shape or the color, um, you know, the, what the package looks like, um, you know, the use of, uh, you know, animals can sometimes be a good visual hammer. Um, you know, Twitter and the bird, uh, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money, but they, they were more memorable because they had a striking connection to, again, they, they focus. I mean, everyone had a blogging site, but they sure. said, "No, we're going to be different. We're going to focus on 140 characters. That's it. And then we're going to pick a name. Well, if this is a short blogger. We're going to have a name: Twitter. Tweet, tweet. Yeah, no, <laughs> right? It's short little things. We're going to have a bird, and it's going to be one color. It's going to be blue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they yeah. picked all those things very, very specifically, and and those were incredibly important in, in building that brand. So, you know, those things don't cost money. It doesn't cost money for your CEO to become uh, the spokesperson and do a lot of media interviews and speeches. Um, you know, having um, a well-known CEO and founder is is incredibly important part of a startup. Um, you know, sometimes they can get you into trouble like the guy at Uber, but, sure, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that brand is, the amazing thing about that is, you know, for many companies, I mean, having a CEO that, that did some of the things and said some of the things he's done would, would be a killer. Uh, but the brand is so strong. Yeah. Uh, the, the strength of the brand and, and the, the marketing and the dominance that they've been able to achieve um, allows you to kind of weather the storm um, and, you know, get through, ride through some of that stuff and, and survive. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you, you kind of touched on it and, and I want to know your kind of thoughts on kind of building yourself or somebody at your organization or company into kind of a thought leader. Do, do you guys kind of do some of that stuff or is that kind of left to somebody else? Yeah, no, it's we, you know, we we are, um, you know, laser focused in terms of what our company does. And, and like I said, you know, we're always working on, you know, books and speeches, but sure. the business is, you know, the one day strategy sessions with Alan, myself and the clients. Um, we leave most of, well, all of the implementation up to the client themselves. So, you know, we spend the, the day working out the strategy, you know, thinking about, and it depends for each client, you know, whether sure. it's, you know, thinking about names and visuals and battle cries and PR strategies and, you know, working all that out and then leaving it up to them to find our, hey, who within, we do make it clear it's important to have someone within the company that can be the champion of that. Um, but they also sometimes, you know, having some outside help and support, um, you know, is important and, and adding perspective. I mean, we have and work and, um, you know, multiple times with, um, you know, CEOs of, of you know, of, of companies um, that, you know, they just need somebody <laughs> to, to have bounce off these marketing ideas and keep them on track. You know, the sure. interesting thing about marketing, 
um, you know, as you go on with with co- go on in time with a company, um, it is good to experiment and to try new things. But you also have to do some pruning. <laughs> it's sure, kind of yeah. like you. It's kind of like a tree, right? You, you, what keeps it healthy is not you know you got to keep growing. Um, but you also have to prune back the stuff that's not working or that, you know, doesn't make sense for this brand. Maybe spin it off to a new brand if it's really big or just get rid of it if it's not working. Um, so, you know, there is that balance. And, and that's where, you know, where we've worked with clients on multiple occasions over the years where that comes into play. Or, or like your closet, you know, you might, you know, you get everything tidy in your closet and you say, I'm going to keep it like this. I'm going to be, I'm going to be neat. But, you know, after a year, it's a mess again. <laughs> yeah, sure. And and that's you know that's what marketing is like, and and within any company, it, it's like that. Uh, so you have to be very mindful um, about it. And you know, again, the in general companies are do the opposite in terms of like we just want to get into more stuff. We're going to put our name on more things. When you know, staying focused, standing for something, dominating a category is really the the most successful type of strategy that any company can follow. No, I that's interesting because. I, like I, I kind of figured that would be your response, but I, but I guess like I would put you and your father in in that kind of like category, right? Where you guys are obviously thought leaders in in this industry, and you've been doing it a long mm-hmm. time, and you have the clients and kind of you know through all your different kind of articles and books and and whatnot and and success and and coverage by third parties to validate yeah. what you guys have been doing, right? And so mm-hmm. it's interesting that you you kind of just your take on that, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, it's certainly, I mean, it's really fun what we do. I mean, it's, it's fun to, to sure. go into all these different, you know, situations and, you know, help, help them strengthen, um, you know, what they're doing. And, and that's, you know, in general, uh, what a lot of it is about. I mean, they, you know, it's amazing and so interesting to go into these companies and, and such, you know, from dental pool products to, sure. you know, to, to big, you know, global consumer brands or we have a, a big, um, you know, the leading auto company in, in, uh, in China that we work with and all these different situations and see in each of them, you know, real potential, a really exciting idea, but sometimes... A lot of times, it's it's not being cared for properly. Right. No <laughs> Usually, fair. because they're into too many things. I mean, one of um, you know exciting success story of a client we've we've had is is Great Wall Motors in China. Okay. And you know, as as the market took off, and there was just a ton of Chinese auto manufacturers that came onto the market to serve uh, the growing middle class, and um, and you know, they were one of many. And and like all the others, you know, they had a wide a wide range of different cars and trucks on the market. Uh, what really got them the attention and their success was, you know, their their pickup truck. Sure. Um, but then they, like many companies, they got into everything to serve the market, if you will. And so they came to us and, and our partners in China and said, what do we do? <laughs> how do we grow? It's, you know, we're not, stand, you know, how do we stand out in the crowd? You know, every there's just still so many companies. Uh, and so we, we told them, um, you know, we got to, you got to get out a lot of these things. You got to stand for something. You got to focus on on one model, actually. And we told them to focus on what we saw as the the biggest opportunity for them, uh, which was the affordable SUV market, which was under. Uh, and they had a specific um, number even to it. It was uh, the leading SUV under a hundred thousand Remimba, which is about fourteen thousand okay. um, dollars. And so 
they did that and and became you know the most profitable Chinese automo- automobile company, and they dominate in the the economical SUV market, which has also taken off. Um, you know, they they rode the success of that category because your your success you know depends a lot on the strength of your category. Um, so in any case, uh, it's it's you know very exciting to see that. But it was also hard for them. Um, you know, when you when you own automobile plants, it took them time to get out of a lot of those things. I mean, strategy is a very long term thing, uh, and so it was also a matter of. Um, you know where their focus lie. I mean, if you have a company, you're doing a lot of things, but you have to. It's helpful to have someone say, you know, this is what you really need to pay attention on. This is where you have to spend most of your time and marketing dollars promoting. Um, you know, you might do other things, or you might slowly roll out of these other things, like the, for Great Wall, it was the sedans and other sure. things. Um, but they. Sp- spent all of their time promoting the, the, the economical SUV, uh, the brand Haval, which is you know, also looking at expanding on the global market and has a lot of you know, potential, we feel, uh, in part because it has the right name. I mean, um, very challenging to, to, you know, the Chinese language is very difficult <laughs> in terms sure. of, of words that sound right in English, which is, you know, really the second language of the world. Um, a true global brand has to sound right in English, doesn't have to be an English word. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's really, it's a challenge, but it's, you know, having, having the insights to be able to, 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 to figure out what the best strategy is. Um, you know, I, I don't know how we do it sometimes. <laughs> there is no magic formula and there's no magic machine. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, it's, it's always a hard question to answer. But I think when you have all the principles and, and you study um, what has worked in the past um, with, you know, applying different strategies, you have then the ability to, to be able to give the best advice on, on what would work in any given situation. No, I, I think that's that's really good advice in itself. But but Laura, sadly, we're we're coming to the end of the show. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys, the company, the books, and all your other kind of services yeah. that you guys provide. Sure. Well, that that's easy. Um, everything um, you can find out anything about me and the books and anything else at Reese.com, and it's R I E S. Dot com and of course all the books are on Amazon uh, and and uh, I I say local retailers but are there any left I don't think so uh, <laughs> if you want a book you can go to Amazon or there's links on our website and uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed listening and we love branding it's it's an exciting industry it's always changing um, but you know the the key is owning a word in the mind Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep them for the future.